0: Hey, how's it going? This is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. Enjoy the message. Happy Easter. I love this day. I, I was telling my uh, the people who were, here, were able to hear me here on Friday night how I, I just love, I love Good Friday. It's like a kind of like the morbid side of this holiday, right? But I think when you contemplate the suffering, that Easter Sunday morning means so much more. This is the gravy. You understand that, right? This is the beauty from ashes. So today I want to share with you a message that hopefully will help you to understand that this story of Easter First of all, it's more than a story. It's not some fairy tale. This is rooted in historical reality. There have been so many people who have gone back and looked and done the research to find the historical Jesus. This person that we revere today as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he walked this earth. And there's proof outside of just this book. But that's a whole other sermon. Today I want to talk to you about how not only was it a story that God did in a particular time, 2,000 some odd years ago, but it's a story for the ages, from age to age. The big idea for this message is simple, but yet profound. Humanity fell in sin. God. Raises us up in Christ. Two seconds, just meditate on that line. Humanity fell in sin. God raised us up in Christ. See, in the beginning, human beings left God behind, preferring to take things into their own hands, like literally and figuratively. Yet, our merciful God still seeks relationship with his people. And he does that through his son. He does that through his son. In Genesis 3, the man and the woman first depart from God's commands and enter into death. You don't need to turn there, but we're going to be in Genesis for just a couple of verses here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. And I want to give you the, the, the background to this story. Genesis 3, right at the beginning of your Bible, if you're opening to that. Actually, it's really more in the beginning. I'll read it out of my notes. Verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, in fact, God knows that when you eat the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be able to be like God, knowing good and evil. You see what the, the enemy did there? He said that you will be able to be like God. Man has always wanted that ability. We've always wanted to be divine in some way. And God put his image onto humans so that we could share in his divinity. But his ways are not our ways. When we grasped for it outside of his context, we fell. The woman saw that the tree was good for fruit and delightful to look at. And that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Now, everybody gives Eve a hard time. Let's cut Eve some slack here, okay? What was Adam doing? Just hanging out in the shade of the truth, tree, tree of knowledge of good and evil? What's that, honey? Yeah, sure. What a what a loafer. So we, we got to go easy on Eve. Adam's like, sure, whatever, honey. You look beautiful. Verse seven. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew where they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This is the first reaction to the the need to cover our sin. This vulnerable state that we were once uh, free from, now we have this shame that we feel like we need to cover. And fig leaves are not going to cut it. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. Now, wouldn't that be nice? The Lord God's walking around. What did they do? They hid from him. They hid from him. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. that is our state, our state of fear, our state of shame, our state of inadequacy before a holy God. And that's just the reality. God was pursuing them. He loved them. He wanted a relationship with them. And we grasped something that we were not supposed to get in that way. An article by Jeff Vogel entitled, The Haste of Sin, The Slowness of Salvation, says it like this. I'm going to try to read it. Well, in their effort to take the divine life early, Human beings render themselves unfit for, particip- for participation in it because the divine life is essentially only receivable. The divine life is essentially only receivable, it can't be grasped. It proves elusive to all clutching, clinging, and clasping. This graspingness is the fundamental problem in the way human beings comport themselves in relation to God. Yes, I read comport. Though they have an original capacity to be incorporated into the divine life, they lose it through the impatience, their impatience, what I call the haste of sin. We do know that we live in a very fast food culture. Remember remember that thing we used to do? Uh, It was not that long ago. We used to call people on the phone. Remember that? How inconvenient is that? How inconvenient to have to say hi and bye. Instead, we could just text what we want. It'll come back. No, like, busy work. Like, hey, how's your week going? I don't really care, but I'm going to ask you anyway because it's polite. I can just cut right to the chase. We are a very fast food people. We like it quick, we like it hot, we like it in 30 seconds or less. We we don't like to wait for things. And often, the relational side of relationships, (laughs) we have a hard time with. We long for relationship. We are relational beings, but we stumble in the relation side. We don't want to wait We don't want to explore. We don't want to relate in that way. Not wanting to be raised into it gradually, Adam and Eve, they try to achieve finality on their own, to engraft themselves into it forcibly. This desire to arrive at the end quickly leaves them ill-disposed to partake of the glory of God. They want to be done with watching and waiting when participation in divine life involves holding out for an ever greater enrichment of one's being. In short, through their bid for divinity, human beings lost the very disposition that would enable them to receive the growth God intended to give them. How many people like food? Not me. I like food. I'm a foodie. I'm not like one of those snobby foodies. I'm like a, you know, raccoon-type foodie. I just eat food. (laughs) I'm a trash panda foodie. How many people like to cook their roasts? in a microwave. Now, my wife, oh, man, she made a roast last night. What was that, with pot roast? Pot roast. Pot roast. And she coo- it cooked all day long, and the whole house was full of the fragrance. I don't know why I'm talking. I'm getting hungry. You guys would be like, can we get out of here? <laughs> There'll be food in the, in the foyer after, so. Um, but there's a big difference between the quality of a meal that's cooked with love and slow-cooked over time, my son was like, Mom, are you going to make the gravy? As if that's the name of it, the gravy. And when you throw a microwave burrito in the microwave for five minutes. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't eat it. <laughs> I'm not saying, wait, 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 let's be real here, I would eat it. But the slow cook of that meal and the love that was put into it, We poor Lisa, she cooked this thing all day. Well, she didn't stand there watching it. That would be weird. But the Crock-Pot cooked it all day. And we ate it in like 15 minutes. We were like, whoa, mashed potatoes. Whoa. It was so good. I like my food. I don't know who's here. I like their food. Piping hot. The microwave was made not to cook meals, just to keep it hot for 30 seconds. I think St. Augustine had it right when he said this. You have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. Until we let our hearts rest, stop our grasping, our striving. When we do that, we find the purpose for our existence. And fellowship with God. The departure of humanity from God is explicitly reversed in the resurrection of Jesus, clearly illustrated in, jo- in the Gospel of John. So, would you turn to the Gospel of John with me? Chapter 20. Chapter 20, and we're going to read 1 through 18. Sometimes I can get like, try to get too clever with my. Christmas and Easter sermons because I've preached them like a lot. The story never changes on Easter. It's the same story. You would think that would be the easiest week to prepare for, right? No, pastors often feel like they have to complicate it and make it interesting. I think today we're just going to read it. I think it's interesting enough on its own. All right? This first verse of chapter 20, I want you to focus in on though. It's very important. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. Pause just for a second. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the grave early while it was still dark. Keep that in your back pocket. She saw the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciples. The one Jesus loved and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where he, they've put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. I think that's just John showing off. That, there's no reason for that to be in there. Other than John's like, I totally own Peter on that race. <laughs> There's no reason. I mean, what John's just like peacocking here a little bit. I think it's funny. I would put that in too. The two, okay, the two running. Verse uh, five. Stepping down, he saw the linen cloth laying there, but he didn't go in. Then following him, Simon Peter, he says following him, see that? <laughs> Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloth lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloth but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first then also went in, saw and believed for they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. But Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. I don't know how these people had any tears left at this point. She stooped to look into the tomb. Then she saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been laying, one on the head and the other at the foot. They said to her, woman, why are you crying? Isn't it obvious? But what they're saying is it should be obvious why he's not here. Why are you even crying? And then she answered, because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they have put him. Had he said this? She turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will take him away. Then Jesus said to her, Mary. First, he, hasn't, just, he doesn't, and doesn't uh, address her by name until this moment. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Now, think about it. People often say, How come Mary didn't know it was Jesus the first time? Well, it says she looked, if you read it carefully, it says she looked, she turned and looked and saw a person. And then supposedly, it looks like she turned away again and was just talking because when he said her name, it says she looked at him. There's something intimate about the declaration of her name here. Maybe it was a reminder of the first time he had said her name. Maybe it was a reminder of how, how he said her name when other people used it inappropriately throughout the years. Maybe it was something more than just Mary. There was something in his delivery of that I believe it is the same tone and the same voice that Adam and Eve heard in the garden. Where are you? What, what's going on here? Adam, Eve, where are you? But there's a difference here. Adam and Eve hid themselves. What does Mary do? Um, turning around she said to him in Aramaic rabbi," which means teacher and it sounds like she just lunges at him and he says don't cling to me Jesus told her since I have not yet ascended to my father but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God and Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. When we have an encounter with Jesus, the script is now changed. Where before, we are in front of a holy God, and all we can do with our sin and shame is to try to hide our faces from him. But because of Jesus, because of the cross, because of Easter, now when we hear our name spoken by God, We want to go to him, not away from him. I think that's special. Remember when I said to put a pin in that first verse? In John 20. Jesus completes the structural reversal of Genesis 1-3. I'll just read it again. John 21. On the first day of the week, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark, while it was still dark. The timing of Mary's arrival recalls the first day of creation in Genesis, and the darkness mirrors the state of the world prior to divine intervention. Genesis 1.23 says, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness covered the surface of the mighty, uh, the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters, and God said, let there be light, day one. The morning dawned on the darkness of the world. And on Easter Sunday, once again, the morning dawned on the darkness of the world. Right here at Jesus' resurrection, John goes all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2. A single verse from the beginning of both Genesis and the gospel, the end of John's passion Proclaims that Jesus' resurrection marks victory over death and our iniquities and restores us to new creation. Paul goes to great lengths to declare this new creation. Drawing a parallel between Jesus and the old Adam from the garden. Romans 5. Everybody flip over to Romans 5. No, you got, I got you working today. Romans 5 we're going to read a bunch of different verses from that, so just just stick with me. Romans 5, we're going to start with verse 12. It says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, even Paul gives Eve a break here, through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if by one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. It's okay to say amen, because that's awesome. If by one man's trespass death reigned through one man, this is verse 17, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, Hallelujah! For just as through one man's disobedience, verse nineteen, that many were made sinners, so also through one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Verse twenty-one: Just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ. Our Amen. Amen. Sin came through one man. Salvation came through the man. The, capital, the man. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't strive for it. Stop trying. Just receive it. That's been our whole history. is just trying to reach the divine, trying to make it happen. Stop stop I have been searching my own soul in the last year and I've found that that's I I still do this I've been a Christian since I don't know before birth I don't know I never can't remember a day when I wasn't sitting in church on Sunday morning doesn't mean I'm a Christian but early on I became a Christian early on that made me no it's kidding but I've been in church culture for many years. I've, i received Christ into my life at a very young age. I felt the call to ministry when I was a teenager. And I'm still doing this, folks. I'm still trying to earn God's favor somehow. I'm still trying to be good enough. I'm still trying to be worthy. We all do this. This is the human condition. It started in the garden. But it's not what God wants for us. See, here's one of the things that I, th- I think we overlook. Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the garden with the knowledge of good and evil, and we make the assumption that that knowledge would never have been given to humanity. Does't say that. We just weren't ready for it yet. We weren't ready for it yet. We grasped when God was willing to come to our presence, walk in the garden, and give us all good things. But we wanted it now, just like we want our Big Macs. I'm telling you, folks, that's the way of humanity. We're not patient. We're not willing to wait. And we are not good with relationships. Relationships mean sacrifice. Relationships mean patience. Relationships means loving the other person more than ourselves. And that's what God did for us through the person of Jesus. Salvation in Jesus arrived at just the right time, but it was ready from the earliest of days. In the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we find God's great reversal. Humanity seeks to grab after what we want, while God seeks to give us life in him. Humanity hides from God. God pursues us. Humanity fell from its original purpose and creation. God restores us to every ever higher heights. Our sin leads to death. God uses the death of his son to bring us eternal life. So I think, I think Augustine had it right. Let's, 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 let's look at that one more time. We have been made. You excuse me. You have made us for yourself. You have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts is restless until it rests. And you, the band's going to come back up, and we're going to sing another song at the end here. But I want you to really focus in on that for a second. You have made us for yourself. Made us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts is restless until it rests in you. I'm going to bring this down to this one statement. You ready for this? Turn from sin and death and receive the good gift that God prepared for you from eternity. Remember what we said a few weeks ago? Wasn't plan B. One plan B, God's purpose and plan was to save you from the moment we failed him and he did it through the person of Jesus Christ. What would it look like if we stopped our reaching and striving, ceased buying into the illusion of control that we hold so tenaciously to, giving our restless hearts has always longed for? Relationship with the one we were created for. Relationship with the one we were created for. I think it would look like resurrection. That's what I see. Do you see what I see? Will you stand with us? Come on.
1: Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? I see lightning, I hear thunder. Something's stir- About to be another resurrection. I see signs. I see signs and I see wonder. I see bursts of living color. Dead things coming back to life again. I believe there's about to be another resurrection. You see what I see.
0: Hallelujah. 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 Would you uh, stay standing with me? Lord, I thank you for this opportunity we have to have paradise reopened. Lord, that what was lost was restored. And by nothing that we have done or could ever do, but by your grace. Your mercy and love that existed from eternity, you sent your Son. And by that one man, that sacrifice of a righteous man, you've canceled out the sins of the many. Lord, you require no sacrifice of our own, just acceptance of yours. So God, today I pray that those of us who are in this place, Lord, will have received that sacrifice.